the Koi Gig part on Off The Ball. I have the goo for it, yes. I've got the goo back for coaching, so I'm going for it. What else can I do? Give me something to do, just make me... (laughs) (laughs) Subscribe to the Koi Gig part on the Off The Ball app now. The Racing Pod on Off The Ball. Well, you are uh, welcome to episode six of the Racing Pod. JD's uh, absence continues. Of course, he will be back in the new year. The great man, but one other great man, David Jennings, is with me yet again today. How are you, DJ? I'm very good, Johnny. How are you? Uh, I'm absolutely buzzing for uh, the Christmas. Me and DJ are going to go through the Christmas offering in both Kempton and mainly Leopardstown. Bill of Limerick may be thrown in as well. Possibly the best Savile's chase if not of all time, one of the really, really vintage renewals of the Savile's Chase to talk about. So we'll go through some of the main races in the first half of the show and then for members in the second half of the show, we'll go through even more. And we are delighted to be able to bring you this show every Friday. Every Friday it includes analysis, uh, reviews, previews, tips, stories, interviews and a bit of crack. Um, and every week, uh, as I say, the first half of the pod is free to air. The second half of the pod uh, is for members. Be sure to sign up by going to offthewall.com forward slash join and you don't want to miss out on all the info how are you dj i am great johnny i'm great uh busy couple of days ahead between kids and and then racing obviously afterwards so uh nice nice mix of the soppiness and the the real serious stuff at leperstown and kempton you can be quite soppy at times i am a disaster i'm a i'm a real softy i'll still get that feeling coming down the stairs on christmas morning uh we have a three-year-old and a one-year-old and uh I cannot wait just to see the reaction on their faces. Yeah, I'm a big softy, Johnny. I'll hold my hands up. I'm a disaster. Uh, but I absolutely love Christmas morning. Yeah, this is for everyone. Catherine, who's producing, just had a big smile as you said that. You are probably the two, I'd say you're two of the soppiest parents, you and the missus going, you, you, you DJ. You are, and you, your kids are going to, A, be very nice, and B, love racing, I think. Yeah, we started the whole Christmas thing a bit too early with Georgia, kind of, you know, back in maybe... July, maybe not July, but September, October, it was like, if you don't brush your teeth, Santa won't come. And now it's got to the stage where it's like, when is he ever coming? Like, you're saying this for the last three months. So, uh, yeah, we need to think of alternative ways of doing it next year, I think. George on my mind, what a name. Okay, so the racing week, um, if we go briefly through it, what were the main stories that kind of grabbed your attention? We will talk about the Savile's Chase and the kind of rejigging of plans maybe for a couple of the horses, but um, as we're getting closer... um, it's just going to be one hell of a weekend, isn't it? Uh, going forward, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's uh, it's the, the the four days of Leperstown obviously are, are, are terrific. I think um, since Stephen say our Boxing Day is to call it in England, racing wise, uh, there is no other day on the calendar that so much happens so quickly, and you almost get lost in the whole um, you know magnitude of it all. And it's not just small things happening. You have a, a King George possibly on the back of, you know, Fasal Vega against In the Pocket in the Racing Post Novice Chase. And you've got a brilliant Cotto Star Novice's Chase at Kempton as well. And then you kind of forget about Constitution Hill, who's the best horse potentially we've ever seen, because he's obviously 1-10 to 10 to win the Christmas Hurdle at Kempton. And you kind of say, there's so much happening, he almost gets gets lost because ah, he'll just win anyway kind of thing. So there is so much happening. It's, it's a great time to be a racing fan. Like, to be a sports fan at Christmas where you've got the darts, you've got the soccer, and you've got the racing. If you're into those three sports, uh, I'd imagine the next seven days are going to be pretty cool. I suppose, like, since I became a journalist, a sports journalist, the weekends, and, like, I never I never know when there's a bank holiday or anything like that, because it just it literally makes no difference to me um, in terms of the workload. What's it like for you working from the 26th onwards? 
I love it. Personally, I love it. Um, a lot of people, and you kind of get the, the kind of, oh, you poor thing, you're, you're working after Christmas when everybody else is off. But you kind of get the best of both worlds because you're kind of, you get Christmas night and you have a few drinks and you might be playing games and that. And then the next morning, the house might be a mess. And you're like, well, cheerio, I'm off to Leopardstown. <laughs> you can do the cleaning. And then you kind of, because the last race is so early, like the last race probably the latest it's going to be is 20 to 4 or quarter to 4. So you're usually home by about 5 o'clock. So you get the four evenings as well at home. So you kind of get the best of everything. If you're into the racing, it's kind of sandwiched in between basically 12 o'clock and 3 o'clock, all the good races. So, uh, yeah, I can't complain, Johnny. Look, I have a great job. And uh, I love it. And I'm really looking forward to going to Leprosound, which is probably, I would say, atmosphere-wise, potentially the best meeting of the year. Everybody's in good form. Everybody's off work. Everybody is meeting people. You kind of see, since Stephen's Day has kind of become a a day where a lot of the younger crowd from around the area kind of meet and greet. But then you've got the other three days where I know my own family are going, like they always go to 27th and the 28th. And there might be relations of theirs that they mightn't see for the whole year and they go them days as well. So um, it's 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 one of my favourite meetings of the year for sure. Yeah, and you mentioned atmosphere. Like I would implore anyone who does go to Limerick, Down Royal or Leopardstown or even Kempton or wherever you're going uh, this Christmas, make some noise because like if you look back, DJ, at, Denoli's winning of the Hennessy I mentioned this a lot and, and the hairs will still rise in the back of your neck listening to the crowd roar the horse home that's primarily gone from Irish racing like it, it's gone from 99% it's some, in some respects 100% of meetings and I think race courses really need to encourage people to make noise to make it an atmosphere to make it actually kind of an occasion that you say yeah yeah I want to go back there again Absolutely yeah the only place I can I can remember it happening in the last couple of years is Cheltenham and you obviously get the roar before the Supreme and you do get in the big races you get the kind of audible gasps like when Constitution Hill kicks clear or when Gallop and the Shams and, and Brave Man's game came down to the last in the Gold Cup you get that kind of kind of feeling of everybody is really getting up on their tippy toes and really getting excited but all too often you know these races are, are, are finished in silence so you need as you say that atmosphere you need a a bit of roar and a bit of shout and a bit of living in the moment. I think that's something probably we're not doing as much as we should at the moment. Yeah. We're not living in the moment. And I know that's probably a catchphrase that Horse Racing Ireland have tried to use in the last couple of years. But for those, you know, six minutes of the Savills chase on, on, on Thursday, like that should be, that's, as you said earlier on in the show, Johnny, that is that is the race of the season. It's it's a Gold Cup two months early in Leperstown in Ireland with the top three in the betting for the Cheltenham Gold Cup run in the Savills Chase and if you can't get people out of bed to go to Leperstown for a race that has Gallop in the Shams Jerry Colomb Fast or Slow Aplutar Envoy Allen you're never going to get them going racing Is Gentleman's Game going? No, no Gentleman's Game is waiting for either the Cotswold Chase at Cheltenham or the Irish Gold Cup in February So it has pretty much everything else We look back at the weekend that was um I have to say, like the the kind of the Briny Frost loving in the press in Britain, kind of and by all accounts, Briny's you know great character. I don't know her at all, but I think the loving is a bit like bit much at times. But you did have to have massive sympathy for her in um, the the Virgin Bet December Gold Cup. Uh, she's done a little redoto, literally on by a short head. And as as I was watching the race, Fugitive gets up under Gavin Sheehan as I was watching the race DJ two horses went well clear I was kind of my eye was drawn towards uh, So Scottish until he fell um, at the at the fort last not out of it but you're looking at the two horses in front and you're like okay they're surely going too fast then they get to the second last actually maybe not and then as they come to the last you're like oh Brian he's going to be done like a couple of links here done on the line 
Yeah, I think she's terrific on front runners. We've seen mm. it on Froden, who she won the Ryanair on, and, and the King George. She just seems to get that extra little note out of them, uh, kind of up the run in whatever way she does it. Like, you think they're gone, and she's getting a great tune out of them the whole way, but then there's just one kind of little note left that she managed to get a re-rally out of uh, Il Rodoto. I like you, Johnny. I thought it was interesting on the ITV coverage. Um, you saw uh, Mick Fitzgerald and New Carby. They're trying to bring in the old way of doing things, the way... Um, Johnny Frankham or Jim McGraw were brought in mid-race on ITV and said well how do you think the race is going I who would you that. like to be riding this kind of thing and I really like that yeah. and it was interesting they went to Mick Fitzgerald and Luke Harvey and Mick Fitzgerald was like oh yeah they're going quick enough Can and then I think the commentator it's Richard Hoyles I think and he said um, can they keep it up and Luke Harvey said no categorical they're going too quick neither of these two horses are going to win and he was almost proved wrong uh, look I was really sweet on So Scottish as I said on the show last week if you look back at the moment he fell and how much better he was travelling than the eventual winner fugitive, he was a few lengths ahead of him. I'd say Mark Walsh was absolutely delighted because mm. he was in the perfect place. He didn't go chasing after the two the two tearaways, but he was on front of his main dangers behind him. And I, I thought actually the whole way he was a little bit guessy over his jumps rather than you know the assured way he usually jumps. But I still think he would have played a massive hand in the finish. I know this is completely crying over spilt milk but that was pocket talk but uh, the finish was terrific fugitive and El Rodoto like I think it was just a short header and no separated them at the line it's what we want in the finish to these big races on a Saturday and uh, fugitive Gavin Sheehan is having a terrific season he was one of these riders Johnny I don't know what you think but I kind of you know had him down as a middle of the road mm. never going to make it won't be winning grade one type of jockey up until about 12 or 14 months ago and all of a sudden now you're kind of going, well, he's probably a top three rider in Britain at the minute and he's getting better. He is terrific and uh, more luck to him. Yeah, I, I don't know if we sell enough either just how how tactically um, fascinating racing is. Like I was at Dundalk the other night and some of the some of the rides from the front, you're like, it just, the, the race completely changes after a quarter of, say like it's a, a mile and two race. After two furlongs, the complexion of the race has already completely changed in the space of, you know, 25 seconds because of the ride. Like Killian Leonard gave a horse a ride from the front. It was like absolutely phenomenal. Got, he was drawn worst, ended up making up the run and completely slowed it in front. They stacked him up, stacked him up, stacked him up, come in the straight and like if you look at um, the data and all of that it's kind of still in its in its early days in terms of racing but I suppose how would you sell to people listening in or not racing fans how different one race can be to the next with the same horses yeah yeah and tactically remember interviewing Ruby Walsh a couple of years ago and he had, he had retired from race riding at this stage and he was becoming a, a pundit and the point he was trying to make was you watch kind of uh, you know you watch Monday Night Football on Sky and you've got Jamie Carragher and you've got Gary Neville and they're analysing games to within an inch of their lives and people are absolutely loving it. Why the inverted fullbacks, you know, uh, why is, is Trent Alexander-Ireland slipping into centre midfield at this time? Who's covering him? You know, where are their chances coming from? And Ruby Wild said to me, he wants to make people watching these races think about why these races are being run, won. Where are the tactics coming into play? And it's not just a case of, right, what am I going to back in the next race? What am I going to back in the next race? Because so much of racing is about trying to find a winner. And probably we don't appreciate the whole analytical point of it and, and how how Gavin Sheehan was so far back because he didn't want to be and the pace they were going at on, uh, on Fugitive uh, and why he made his move when he did. And, you know, even on the road to Cheltenham, a show with Ruby and Lydia Hislop, they've started doing now the time it takes from a horse, 
you know, maybe 10 yards before a fence to 10 yards after mm. a fence. He compared John Bon and Edward Stone in the Tingle Creek. And, you know, who's quicker over the obstacle? Who's getting away from the obstacle quicker? And all that kind of stuff. And, and as you said, that ride from Killian Leonard the other night, like, all that Killian, type of stuff Killian by the way, had ridden one winner all year, I think. I think that was his second winner really? this year in Ireland. And you're like, uh, <laughs> it's just a standard of jockeys now. Like, this lad is basically busy at Dunnikas, doesn't ride that often. And it's like, that, that that's a ride anyone would be proud of. Yeah, yeah, and I often think those those kind of front-running rides when you do stall the horses behind you and then you kick at the right time and you get everything right, I'm possibly six, seven, maybe eight stone too heavy to be a jockey, but I'd imagine the most pleasure eight. I'd get would be a front-running ride where you stack everything up and then you kick and then you hold on. And I'd imagine that feeling passing the line, knowing you're going back into a winning trainer who knows that the jockey won the race from. I'd say that's a lovely feeling. Yeah, and Noel Kelly was certainly enjoying the night as well. He was in great form afterwards. I am, I am slagging DJ. He was actually a very accomplished uh, Gaelic footballer in his day, albeit a goalkeeper. Let's move on to, uh, what, what should we call it? I call it the 26th, DJ. Let's just call it the 26th. And yeah. let's call it the King George, the race in which... So many memories of this Santa Claus trying to impede the great Barry Garrity on kicking King the guts of 20 years ago. Um, some fabulous horses down the years. And just looking at this year's renewal, I suppose the thing you'd say about the race this year is that the makeup has changed in the sense that the Irish challenge, it looked like Jerry Clon was going there, as you said previously. Now he's not. Um, Alaho is trading at best price 7 to 4, favourite at the moment for one WP Mullins. He reappeared, DJ, winning at Clomel in a kind of an egg, well, it wasn't an egg and spoon race, it was a race in which he was superior to the rest, did his job well. Don't really see many negatives here. Uh, is he as good as he was? That would be the negative I'd have, but. He the won, he's won his is, last four races by 12 lengths, 14 lengths, 14 lengths and 9 lengths. What more can he do? Yeah, but the problem is, Johnny, those four races are so far apart. And that's the key thing. Like mm. he went from running in the Punchdown Gold Cup on the 27th of April 2022 to not running again until November 2023 in the Clamell Oil Chase when he won basically a match race with Janadil, a stable mate. You know, Grange Walk, I think, was rated far inferior to both of those. Uh, look... <coughs> I can see why people really fancy Alaho and I can see why people would make him their banker of the whole Christmas period. And if the real Alaho shows up, you know, he should be four to seven, not seven to four. And, and that's what people are clinging on to. I just, it's just in the back of my mind. Willie Mullins has wanted to run Alaho in this race for the last two years. He's made it this year. Um, I wasn't overly impressed with Clamel. I thought he got the job done. It was a ring-rusty type of performance. He slowed into a couple. He didn't attack his fences the way he usually does. But you can you can say you can allow him that because he hadn't ran for so long. And he still won, and he's still the best horse in this race if he is anywhere close to the level he got to when he won the Punchdown Gold Cup and his penultimate start. But I don't know. I just think at the prices, Johnny, you've got to take him on. I think if it was last year or if it was the year before or the year before, I'd be going, oh, my God, Aloe, of course he wins the King George. I just don't think he will this year. Do you? Uh, I think he probably will, just in the sense that I've been disappointed with Brave Man's game. Like I, I was actually, to be honest, I was looking forward to Gentleman's game. Um, hopefully going to Leopardstown. I think if you threw Mouse, Martin, Brassel, and all the top trainers into the mix, it would have been just a race of the ages. Now, I, I think I do feel. I remember you tipping Gentleman's game up as a novice when he ran against uh, none other than um, God. Wasn't I it? Maximus. 
I am Maximus. Like I thought it was an absolute mm. moral that day, and you were like the the price discrepancy is crazy here. And in 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 hindsight, obviously I am Maximus kind of went ran into one. And you've a staying chaser trained by Mouse Morris, who's a sophomore. He's basically only getting going. Um, so there, there is all of that. And in fairness, Brave Man's game travelled all over him. So I was willing to give him a bit of a pass. Was it the ground the last year behind Royal Pagai? Like he really should be winning a race like of that nature to be winning this. And um, for all that Paul Nichols has said, I'm training him for the King George. I thought I, I thought he was a bit disappointed. Maybe he's actually not the same horse after the Gold Cup last year. Yeah, maybe. Maybe he's not. Um, I just, like, Haydock, three mile, one and a half furlongs on soft ground. Is that Brave Man's game? I know he ran well in the Gold Cup last year, but he was still outstayed by Gallop in the Champs. I just wonder, is he maybe three miles Kempton, seven fences in the final mile? He's the best jumper in the race, if you ask me. I know Alaho is a brilliant jumper as well, but Brave Man's Game is one of the best jumpers of the modern era for all that he made a, a, a Horlicks up the last last fence in the Charlie Hall. Like, I kind of started the week thinking Brave Man's Game won't win, but the closer the race is getting, I'm kind of I'm kind of thinking to myself, he's the one that's going to be pinging every fence. He's the one with the, you know, he's the defending champion who won this race last year, beat Lon Press despite being on the wrong side of Lompress the whole way he was on his outside and Lompress was jumping into him. He had him beaten when Lompress came down at the last. He still hammered Royal Pagai in this race last year. I just wonder, is this his race? Like, is this his bread and butter? Is this his terms and conditions? And Harry Cobden being back on board is a massive bonus as well because Harry Cobden, Brave Man's Game needs Harry Cobden and Harry Cobden being back on board here is a massive plus. I am really scared of Shishkin. You don't know what you're going to get. <laughs> Everyone he should be is... scared of Shishkin, including Shishkin. Yeah, yeah. Shishkin, I think, terrifies himself. Do you know the, the know smile he... of people have on their faces as they're lining up for the King George? Everyone has like a hot whiskey or like some hot port in their hand. <laughs> and they're like, um, you know, what time is it? It's it's 2.30. They're going down to start. Everyone's had a bet. What's Shishkin going to do? Absolutely. It'll probably be the, the main talking point going into the 26th. Uh, Look, he didn't start at Ascot for whatever reason. And and it kind of, I think people were surprised, but they weren't shocked, if that makes sense. Like, I think you were going, oh, he's a top-class horse. Oh, my God, I can't believe he didn't start. And then you're going, but he's a bit ratty. He's a bit ratty. He has his moments. You know, he's the type of fella now you wouldn't want to be, you know, meeting at 6 o'clock in the morning, I'd say, because I'd say he'd eat you in two. Um, he takes a while to warm up, but he is hugely talented. And the thing about Shishkin is he is so unexposed over this trip. Like He really is. The only, he is. The only time he's tried three miles, and it was three mile one, was it was in the bowl at Aintree, where he beat a, a the real Ahoy Senior, who never missed a beat. Don't don't read too much into the fact that Ahoy Senior has done nothing this season. He never missed a beat last year, Ahoy Senior. Like, Apu Tar, former Gold Cup winner, was well beaten in third. Conflated was pulled up. Um, he won it and he won it through pure stamina and class and um, he's been trained for, for all that he hasn't had a prep run he's been trained for one race and one race only this season Nicky Henderson has not trained him to win a gold cup he's trained him to win the King George he ha- he missed that run at Ascot which is a shame but he will be cherry ripe for this and uh, I actually make the race between Braveman's game and Shishkin and at the prices I think you'd probably have to side with Shishkin DJ's man Gavin Sheehan is riding Hewick for John Joseph Hanlon better known as the Shark and uh, Sam Twiston Davies continues his partnership on the Real Whacker who I put up obviously the last day on his return in the Paddy Power absolutely bombed out but if you if you forgive him that he beat Jerry Colomb two runs back he beat Jerry Colomb I don't think there's any fluke about that he's a horse that's going to make the running obviously has an asterisk now to his name but this this has been so much 
much crack. We actually don't have time on the free-to-air part of the show to talk about Leopardstown. So before we get to the members part, I'm going to get a Christmas selection from DJ. And before that, your performance of the week as well. My performance of the week. Okay, wow. Uh, okay, performance I did tell you this beforehand. You did, yeah, but it, it was just a, a very quick segue there. It was like we're talking about the King George, and all of a sudden you're going into performance of the week. Okay, Come my on, performance DJ. of the my performance of the week. I'm going to go back to uh, to Cheltenham last uh, Cheltenham last uh, Friday. So actually, am I actually? Believe. Yeah, I'm going back to Cheltenham last Friday. It's interesting to see if we pick the same. It is Dicer There Dinos. we go. Dicer we, didn't, we didn't confer. But this is honest to God. We did not confer. If there is a God, it's Dicer Dinos. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you. Um, some viewers, only a, a small handful, will know that I do a show uh, called Up in the Ante for the Race and Post False with Johnny Dineen. And um, oh, look, I've had a shock in two seasons on the show. It actually, <laughs> I think it's in its sixth season where we we pick a select, we pick an Anti Post uh, team for Cheltenham every year. And uh, the first four years went brilliant. I was in profit, fantastic. Last two seasons have been an utter disaster. But this season, I've actually started reasonably well. And one of my first tips was Dice Ardinos for the Mayor's Novice Heard last, I think, eight or nine to one. And I was actually nervous before she ran last Friday because um, I really needed her to produce the goods. I just loved the way she quickened up to beat the boys, beat the bat with second. Her jumping was much better than it had been at Huntington. She's shown her form last season when she won the Mayor's Bumper at Aintree, beating, like, you know, a reasonable enough team from the Willie Mullen stable. I think she's dynamite. And I think brighter days ahead will have to be really good to beat her at Cheltenham. You're I think she will give Fergal O'Brien his first Cheltenham for festival winner, and boy, does he deserve it. You're an absolute disgrace because we've run out of time here and you haven't even given us... Give us your Christmas nap or we'll, we'll never get it out of you. Okay, my Christmas nap. I'm going to give you two if that's okay, Johnny. Yep. In the first race on uh, St. Stephen's Day, the 26th at Kempton, I'll even get you the time, Johnny. The first race at Kempton is off at 12.45. This horse is 10 to 1 at the moment, but there is no way in the world that this horse will go off 10 to 1. It's a horse called Ez Perfecto that's trained by Alan King. Um, he's rated 123. He is far better than that. Gavin Sheehan is already booked. Love it. He ran an absolute corker I thought at Cheltenham on his chasing debut at the November meeting he's going to make a smash and chaser I can't believe he's 10 to 1 very briefly Johnny, if he goes one? off 10 to 1 if he goes off 10 to 1 on the day in that 12.45 at Kempton something. I'll give you a year's supply of Guinness uh, I think he'll win and I think he's good hurt. that's Ez Perfecto in the 12.45 at Kempton on the 26 and 27th Paddy Power Chase I'll get you the time of it Johnny the Paddy Power Chase at Leopardstown it is due off at uh, 3 o'clock and I've thought for the last 6 months maybe even longer that am I right A-I-M-I-R-I-T-E, trained by Henry de Bromhead. I've thought this was his race. Flat track, three miles, fast pace at Leperson. He's 14 to 1. He'll do for me. Am I right? In the 3 o'clock at Leperson on Wednesday. Okay, I'm going to give Meeting of the Waters in the very same race. And actually, that's that's for uh, Patrick Mullins and his dad, Willie Boltrop. A cork sneaks in off low weight. Uh, same connections as Rocky Boya. Um, this is the racing pod and off the ball. If you're listening to the free version of the podcast, uh, we'll be leaving you here. But if you're looking for more, including our analysis of a load of additional races uh, over the Christmas, go to offtheball.com forward slash join to subscribe. Get the full podcast every Friday and all our racing tips, insights and stories from the week's action. The Racing Pod on Off The Ball.